The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So take your Bibles with me tonight. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to preach a message that I've entitled, Where is Your Heart? Where is Your Heart? Look with me at Matthew chapter 6, and let's look beginning at verse number 19. We read here, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, look with me. Let's go down to verse 31. Uh, We'll come back to some of the points in between these. But look at verse 31. The Lord speaks here, and he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34, again he says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for uh, the words that you laid on our brother's heart tonight. They, uh, Father, they were words of wisdom. And they're words that we need to hear and that we need to uh, understand and contemplate in our daily lives. Help us to be um, uh, the people we need to be to those around us and to those that you bring into our lives. Bless tonight now as we as we examine this, this matter of our focus and help us, Lord, to have the right focus throughout our lives. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First notice the words of our Lord in verse 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then draw your attention to his words in verse 31, where he says, Therefore take no thought. So I thought about a question, where is my heart tonight? What, where is my heart? And, and I want to ask that question, and I want you all to ask that same question. Where is your heart tonight? Our Lord stated that our heart will be found in the same place that we keep our treasure. Our heart will never wander very far from the things that we value, from the things that we consider valuable, from our treasure. For some, this may be in material things of this life, houses, cars, stocks, bonds, etc. Some place great importance on the acquiring and keeping of these things. For others, this may be in personal things, uh, self-satisfaction, power, authority, and such as that. And whatever it may be, one thing is certain. Our heart will be given to 
and wrapped up in the things that we consider to be most valuable. Now, we all enjoy the comforts of this life. I, I, I myself enjoy the comforts of life. I'm sure that you do too. And we all enjoy being recognized and, and appreciated. Uh, at home, I have a certificate that was given to me by my employer where they named me Employee of the Month. And the thing I most appreciate about it with that is that it was accompanied with a $100 check. And I've, I've since then told him, hey, how about making me Employee of the Month again and give me another $100 check? And we all enjoy these things. And there's nothing really wrong with these things. But these things should not be the focus of our life. They should not be the force that drives us. They should not be the reason that we rise every day and, 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 and look forward to new opportunities. Jesus said, take therefore no thought. Now, I take that as a literal statement from Jesus. He's saying, don't, don't be anxious for all these things, uh, we're to realize that God has promised to provide the things that we need in our lives. God has promised to never leave us, nor forsake us. So we should not be anxious toward these things. We, we should not give ourselves, we should not give the focus of our mind and our heart and, and our, our labors should not be focused on these things. We're to realize that God has promised to provide these things, and therefore we are not to become preoccupied with them. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, we read, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? There is more to our life than food and clothing. We're, we are reminded by, by Jesus in, in, this, in this passage of Scripture that God is aware of these things. And He has already made provision for them in our life. Uh, look, at, look with me at verse 23. We read here, um, Matthew uh, 6.23 But if thine eye be evil, thy, thy whole body shall, shall be without light, uh, shall be full of darkness. If therein the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, now let's pause for a moment. Listen. You may think you can spend your life in pursuit of these things and it's not going to affect your attitude concerning God or the things of God, but you're wrong. You're wrong because Jesus said you cannot do it. And Jesus is never wrong, is he? I cannot serve God and serve Mammon, the money, the pursuit of things in this life. I cannot focus on those things and focus on God at the same time. I'll, it'll never happen. I'll, I'll hate one and love the other. I'll despise one. 
And I've known a lot of people throughout the years who didn't get what they wanted, and because of it, they despised God because they felt God didn't give them what they should have had. Let's read on in verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink or what ye shall put on, nor for your body. If it's not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So it would seem to me that if we fret and worry about these things, we in fact question the integrity of God. Now that being said, our focus in life should not be for these things. For if our focus is on these things, it serves as evidence of our lack of faith and trust in God. So if we are not to to take thought concerning these things, what should we take thought for? What should be our focus tonight and, and, and throughout our lives? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first before all other things. Seek ye first the Lord and his righteousness before your job, before wealth, before possessions, before hobbies, before all things. Now, I'm not saying that These things are wrong. It's good to have a job. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies and enjoying yourself. There's nothing wrong with these. I'm not saying they're wrong. Find the best job you can. But make sure it does not conflict with your ability to serve God. Or that it does not dishonor God. Have as much wealth as you can. But not to consume for your lustful desires. But to have to give and to use in the work of the Lord. Own the best things you can, but be content with such things as God has given to you. When we have our priorities right concerning these things, everything falls into place. Everything else will take care of itself. That's what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. They'll be added unto you by God the Father according to his perfect will for you. Everything will fall into place. And the reason for this is that God will give you the right desires such that your desires will be to do what God has declared to be right to do. Now, with the time I have tonight, and and I want to be brief, Allow me to share a few thoughts with you concerning the right focus. As we, as we go into this new year, to 2016, let's have our, our hearts and minds focused this year on the right things. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So where should our focus be? 
Well, number one, let me say this. Focus on your worship of God. Focus on your worship of God. In John chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus said, But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. <clears throat> now let me ask you, what comes to mind when you consider worshiping God? Uh, well, the most common answers are, oh, singing. You know, we sing and we sing and worship God, or we praise his name and we worship him. And, or we pray and in prayer we worship God. Now, this would be the answer of most believers, and it certainly is a very large part of our worship. However, in the context of what I'm, I'm discussing tonight, what Jesus has admonished us, in the context of my message, worship is more than just an act. Worship is, is more than just, just singing. It's more than, than praising God. It's more than praying. Worship, we worship God by our life. By our lifestyle. Now, give me a little liberty here and allow me to expound on this. I have known many people who, with their mouth, worship God. Yet those same people, with their life, dishonor Him. And I'm sure you too could say the same thing. You know people that may, may, may worship God with their mouth, but with their heart and their life, they do things that dishonor him. Now, is that, is that really the spirit of worship? In Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, we read, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments, of men. Now, of course, Jesus here is addressing the Pharisees. And I'm not saying by any means that any of us tonight are Pharisees. But listen to me. It's very easy for us to get into a habit of, with our mouth, with our lips, praising God while in our hearts and in our lives, we, we live in such a way that we dishonor him. Now, if I have learned anything after 34 years of ministry, I've learned to keep my whole heart, mind, and body focused on obeying the Lord. And in obeying Him, we offer Him true and sincere worship. Now, I'm not standing here tonight trying to tell you that I, I'm perfect in obedience. I, I, I fail just as we all do at all times. But we should, we should strive, we should seek to live our life in obedience to God. For by obeying Him, we truly, in our spirits, worship Him. We truly offer Him praise. We truly offer Him worship. When we live our lives, when we strive to live in obedience to God, and when we find ourselves and disobedience to God, repent and, and, and correct our lives so that we can restore our fellowship with the Father so that we can continue to live in obedience to Him and continue to worship our Father in truth 
and in spirit. Now, it is easy to obey God when things are going well, isn't it? When everything is running hunky-dory, it's easy to obey God. It gets a little more difficult sometimes when things are not going so well. Now, that was Satan's accusation of Job. Now, don't lose your spot in Matthew chapter 6, because we're going to come back, but let's all turn together to Job chapter 1. Job's pretty easy to find. It's right ahead of Psalms. So find Psalms, and you're not far from Job. Let's go to Job chapter 1. And let's look at verse number 9. Job chapter 1 and verse 9. If you hadn't gotten there yet, just stop and look intelligently at whatever page you are on as I read. Job chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. That, you see, Satan's accusation against Job was, well, sure Job obeys you. Sure Job worships you. Sure Job, Job praises you. you. You've got a hedge about him. You, you, every, you, you make everything he touch prosperous. And, and of course he, he, he loves you. Of course he worships you. But touch, touch, put your hand and take those things that you've given him away. Let's give him some trouble and let's see how he responds. Oh, look out now. What about us tonight? How will we respond if those things happen to us? You see, it's easy to, it's easy to obey the Lord when things are going well. Not so easy when things are not going the way they should go. So you and I tonight, we need to, we need to have a focus on this. We need to, we need to focus our, our life on, on, on living a life that worships the Father. Not just with our mouth, not just with our lips, but with our heart and with our every action, our every thought, our every word, our every deed, such that God is honored and that we are in obedience to Him. That needs to be our focus every day. And any day that we, that we fail in that focus, Jorge talked about those men who, in, in a fit of rage or in a moment of, of lapse, made terrible decisions. We better be careful. Because Peter reminded us that our, our foe, the devil, lurks around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that way very well may be us if we neglect our hearts and minds in this matter of, of worshiping the Father. We need to have a focus throughout this coming year, a focus every day. I, I, need, I need to wake up every morning and remind myself, today you are going to walk where God wants you to walk. Today, I am going to do what God wants me to do. Today, I am going to live my life to the honor and glory of the Father and then go out and do it. So first, 
Focus on your worship of God. But then secondly, let me say this, focus on your witness of God's grace. Focus throughout the year on your witness of God's grace. I'd like you to go with me, please, to Matthew chapter 5 now. You should have a marker in Matthew chapter 6, so we're right there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and let's look at verse 16. I'm sorry, verse 15. I'm not sure if I... Well, let's, let's look at both. Let's look at 16. I'm sorry. 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now, as with our worship, including our lifestyle, and not just simply an act of singing or, or praising or praying... So it goes with our witness as well. Now, when we talk about witness, it it is definitely important and fundamental as believers that we give a witness to men concerning their souls. I'm talking about soul winning. Soul winning is the responsibility of every believer, and, and as such, every one of us should witness to those people that God brings into our lives concerning His wonderful grace concerning salvation. Yet, the greatest witness that we have is a life that glorifies God. I think back to the, guy, the, the man that witnessed to me. His name was Mike Alpha. Mike and I were high school friends. And in high school, we used to chum together, we used to drink together, we used to do a lot of things together I'm not going to talk about tonight. And we graduated and we went our separate ways. Well, years later, the Lord brought our paths together. Mike, since then, had become a Christian. He had gotten saved. And Mike shaved up, cleaned up, and, and he was a hard worker, and he was energetic. And, and I, I, I ran into him one day at, at the lumber yard. I, my father and I owned a construction company. And I needed a hand, and I ran into him at the lumber yard, and we talked, and I said, sure, come on out, I'll give you a job. And I was shocked when I saw him. I was totally shocked when I saw him, because he was a different person. Not just in the way he looked, but in his mannerisms as well. And he came to work for me, and we got to talking, and I told him, I said, Mike, I said, what happened to you? You're a totally different person. He said, yeah, Jesus saved me. And I said, okay, all right, I think I know what happened to Mike. And we got to conversing, and and over several months, uh, his life spoke a a witness to me. Now, he definitely witnessed to me from the Scriptures, but his life, just just the way he conducted himself and the way he lived his life, witnessed to me. It, It spoke to me of something happened to this guy. Something changed him. You know, there's an adage that I like. It goes like this. Your talk talks and your walk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Far too many of God's people live under the philosophy of the secular humanist. Circumstantial justification. Well, my circumstances dictate my actions. 
Well, again, I draw upon the example in the scriptures of Job. He endured sorrows that would drive most of us over the edge. His own wife encouraged him to forsake his faith in God. His friends questioned his motives and integrity. Yet in all of this, Job did not sin with his mouth. He maintained his integrity before God. He, his, his life was a witness to all around him of his faith in God, of the grace that God had given him. What a testimony. What a powerful witness. Now again, what about you and me tonight? Listen, I pray, that, I pray to God that I will never be tested after the manner that Job uh, was tested. I, I pray to God I'd never have to face something such as that. But what if I did? What if the Lord did decide that it was to his glory for us to endure such tribulation, such trial? If he did, what would become of our witness? If he did, what would become of our, of our faith? What would become of our, of our courage and our strength? And listen, if we don't prepare our hearts for something such as this, if, if we don't focus our life in being exactly what God wants me to be, then I might just give in. And I might just do what suits me rather than what is required by the Lord. Oh yes, we need to focus our hearts and minds. We need to be focused on our worship of the Father. We need to be focused on our witness of God's grace. We are are blessed people. God has, has bestowed upon you and I more than we could ever wish for or hope for, more than we deserve. So let us live our lives as we are children of God. And let us endure whatever, whatever we face, let us endure it with faith and with courage and with joy, knowing that it is God's will that we honor Him in all things. And that we put Him first, that we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness before we worry about our health, before we worry about our job, before we worry about what are we going to eat, what are we going to wear. Just focus on seeking first God and be a witness of God's grace, even in difficult times. But then thirdly tonight and lastly, let me say this. We're to focus on our worship of God, we're to focus on our witness of God's grace, but then thirdly, focus on the work of the ministry. Focus on the work of the ministry. Again, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I believe here the Lord is admonishing us to be, to be involved in the work of the ministry. That rather than worrying about our homes and, and the things that, that God has already promised to provide, worry about the work of the Father and let Him provide for you the things that He will. 
Now, I'm not saying that we should be negligent as parents, that we should be negligent as citizens. I don't think Christian people ought to avoid paying their taxes. I don't like taxes any more than the next man, but I do what's right. And I don't lie on my tax return. And, and I make sure that every penny that should be reported, I do report. And I'm not, I don't want to jump off on a rabbit trail here. It's tax time, but, you know, let's not get off on it. But I believe that we should, we should do the right things and the honest things. Look with me at John chapter 9. Don't, don't lose your spot in Matthew. But let's look at John chapter 9. And let's look at verse number 4. Jesus makes a very interesting statement here. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. Now, I don't have time tonight to, 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 to expound too greatly on that verse because there's some, a lot of things that can be said here. But I want to emphasize the, the importance that we work the works of the Father, of Him that has sent us, while we have opportunity to do them. While we can. I love the lyrics of, of the song, My House is Full. It goes, there is peace and contentment in my Father's house today. Lots of food on His table and no one is turned away. There is singing and laughter as the hours go by, but a hush comes with the singing as the Father sadly cries. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my fields. And, and this is so true of, of American Christianity today, is it not? Oh, people are more than happy to, to be a, a child of God. People are more than than thankful that God provides. Yes, talk about God providing for us because that's a wonderful thing. And, and that's what they want to hear. And they want to they sing and they want to laugh at the table of God and they want to they get all, they want churches that have feel-good music and they want, they want programs that cater to their, to their sensual desires. But they don't want to get out there and roll up their sleeves and go to work. And this is what we need to do. Now, understand me tonight, lest any think I'm being judgmental. The most difficult thing for a believer to do is to stay busy for God. You see, you can get up, pastor can get up and preach a, a rah-rah message, and people will get stirred up, and they'll get, they'll get involved in something. But three weeks later, how many of them are still doing it? And, and this is... This is not trial and error. This is fact. This is how it is in the Christian world. If you've been involved in ministry for any, uh, to any degree for any amount of time, you know this is true. At the start of a program or, or something uh, that people get, get caught up in on doing, you've got lots of people involved, but pretty soon it, it, pretty soon it, 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 it dwindles down and, and you've got a skeleton group of people sticking with it. Why? Because it's easy to stop doing things for God. It's, it's hard to stay busy for God. Life with its issues and concerns begins to weigh heavy on the believer, causing us to lose our focus on the work of the Lord through the local church ministries. We begin to
place our own personal needs above the will of the Father, and because we lack the strength to continue in faith, we begin to rethink our priorities and put the things we can see before the things we cannot see. But this is a folly, one that Jesus addressed in our text verses tonight. Look again at Matthew six twenty-seven. Which of you, he says, by taking thought, can add one cubit under his stature? You see, rather than take things in your own hands at the moments, at moments such as, as this, when, when things get difficult and things get hard, instead of, instead of taking the steering wheel away from the Lord, instead of putting things back in your own hands, we, we are to heed the admonishment of the Lord and take no thought of these things, and just keep on serving God. Just keep on doing what we need to do. Now, to do this is going to require two things, and I'll be done. First, you've got to have trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct that path. Trust. You're not always going to understand what, what's ahead of you. In fact, many times when you look at what's ahead of you, you're going to say, there's no way. There's no way this is going to work out. It can't possibly happen. There's no way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Just do what God wants you to do. Don't overthink it. Just trust him. Step out in faith, and God will guide, and God will lead. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job said, even if it doesn't matter if God delivers me or not, if I die on this, on this, on this trash heap, if I die of this, of this sickness... Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to stop trusting him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I know a lot of Christians. I know a lot of Christians who can't say that. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Got to have trust. When I don't understand, I, I have to turn to faith and just trust God. And just do the right thing and know that God will, will provide for me according to his will and purpose. Listen, it's one thing to say you trust God. It is another altogether to do so. And then the second thing we, we have to do if we will, will continue, is we need to learn contentment. We must have trust, and we must have contentment. I'm going to ask you to turn to one more scripture, and we're done. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6, and let's look at verse number 6. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Contentment. We must have contempt. We live in a society that promotes the philosophy of entitlement. And if we're not careful, we begin to adopt this philosophy without even realizing it. We hear it all the time, don't we? Well, I deserve better than that. I hear, I hear Christian people, sometimes I hear them say, well, I deserve better than that. I deserve to be treated better than that. Do you really want what you deserve tonight? Do you really want God to give you what you deserve? Because he can. He can if, if, if we want. You know, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. So you better be glad that God's mercy does not give you what you deserve. So we better be careful with entitlement. I've heard people saying, I've, well, I've, I've been serving God long enough. Let somebody else take a turn. You know, let me, let me just say something real quick, and I'm not trying to lift anybody up here, but I, th- I thank the Lord for men like, like Brother Gary Moley. I've been in this church going on 26 years, and you know what? For 26 years, Brother Gary has been serving the Lord in this church and has never been paid one cent to do so. You know how many, you know how many and, and, and listen, he, he doesn't get a whole lot of help. He's out here on Saturdays blowing out this parking lot and, and cutting this grass. He's up here leading the choir and I'm over there heckling him the whole time. It's, it's such a, I've been trying to get him to kick me out the choir for the last eight years. He won't do it. He has, he has been a treasurer in this church and he, is, he has taught lessons in this church. And he's, he's our, he's our um, missions director in our church. You know, not one time have I ever had Brother Gary come to me and say, you know, Brother Don, I've been doing this. I've been, I've been busy long enough. It's time for somebody else to step up and do it. No, he, he never has. And I suspect he never will. Especially now, right? <laughs> My wife and I joined this church in January to be 26 years. After the first year, the lady that ran the toddler's nursery left. And my wife has sat in that room over there for 25 years. And she's taught the, te- the, the toddlers at 10 a.m., at 11 a.m. She's been teaching the toddlers since we started Pioneer Club eight years ago. Not one time has my wife ever at home told me, you know, babe, I've been doing this long enough. I think it's time for somebody else to do it. She's ne- she never told me that. Any of you in this room who are less than 25 years old and was born while you were in this ministry, you, you spent time with my wife in those rooms over there. Folks, don't ever come to someone and say, I've spent enough time serving God. We could never spend enough time serving God. Never. I don't plan on retiring as the old saying goes, I plan on refiring. I don't know, maybe the day will come when I can't climb those stairs, so I'll just, pastor will have to set me up a microphone over there and someone will have to come help me swing this arm, but we'll get the job done. Listen, folks. 
I don't want someone else to do my job. Now, I would like someone else to step up and preach here because I don't think I'm competent to do what I do here. All I'm doing here tonight, by the way, is I'm not trying to teach you some groundbreaking truth. I'm just trying to remind you of some very basic things, things that we tend to forget, things that I forget constantly and have to remind myself about. You young men in this church should be, should be begging the pastor for a job. And you should, be, you should be making yourself available to do that job. You young ladies in this church, same thing. You old men in this church, same thing. It's a privilege to serve God, folks. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let your focus be on the ministry of the local church. Let your focus be on the work of God. Let your focus be on living a life that that worships God, on living a life that is a witness of the grace of God. Let our focus in 2016 be on the Father and not on our own self. I pray tonight that you didn't take this message in the spirit that I'm, I'm calling you out because I'm saying you're doing the wrong thing. I'm very proud of our church. I'm very proud of our people. But I know that all of us have room for improvement in our lives. And God deserves our best. And we need to be focused on doing the best that we can for the Lord every day in everything that we do. Focus on our worship of God. Focus on our witness of God's grace. And focus on our work in the ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the attention to the word of God tonight. And Lord, you know in my heart that I love you and I I just want to I just want my life to be such that, that I am pleasing to you. And Lord, I know that I fail, and I know that I come short. But Father, I also know that, that you never give up on us, that you never quit on us, and that you'll lift us, and that you'll, you'll brush us off and set our feet on the right path and encourage us and guide us. So I pray you would do so. Bless tonight. And, and all that was done, thank you for Brother Jorge and his testimony. I, Father, I was so proud to hear of, of his visit in that place. And I prayed that it would have had an impact on the lives that he, he met. And I pray that more of us would have a concern for those things. And, and more of us would, would do what we can to, to be a part of things such as that. Thank you, Father, for all these things. Thank you for our pastor and his faithfulness to you and his faithfulness to us in this church. Bless our church, bless our people, and bless this evening, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.